0: Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth Weekly Podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit Antiochfortworth.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. We are finishing up a series today called Everything Made New. And we started this on Easter, and man, it's just been three weeks of talking about resurrection. The resurrection life of Jesus. We talked about on Easter and we had a bunch of baptisms and just had to cut the message way short because there were so many people getting baptized. It was awesome. But I said I would do that, and we did. <laughs> Y'all held me to it. Um, but then last week we talked about the new community. So we talked about the new life, then the new community. And that's, we went through a lot of passages last week. I, I literally read almost all of 1 Corinthians 15, just out loud, just read the whole chapter almost, talked about the resurrection of the, of the body and the, resurrect, uh, the resurrection from the dead and the resurrection of the body. And one of the things we're really trying to subvert in all of that is this tension that we all feel, Platonic dualism, that kind of the spiritual things are good and material things are bad, and that's just kind of the water we swim in sometimes. And so you have to subvert that by reading the New Testament, which talks over and over and over and over again about the resurrection from the dead. That Jesus is raised from the dead, and if he's, if, if we're gonna be raised with him. That's our hope. Not just that we're gonna float around on an ethereal cloud with a disembodied spirit, but we're literally gonna be raised from the dead. You know, and I, I have to, I just, I know that I have to keep saying that over and over again because we are, there's so much cultural pressure to just, whether it's entertainment or cartoons or whatever, that we're just kinda out of here. And we've bought into it in our theology, we're just kinda out of here. And so a lot of the, the stuff that we talk about, even the words of Jesus, like, the, sermon on the take the Sermon on the Mount. Well, I mean, do we have to do that stuff? I mean, if we're just going to heaven one day, why does it matter how we live? And yet, over and over again, we're exhorted in the New Testament, how you live matters. How you live matters. It really, really does. So this one is kind of the Easter message continued trying to get a little more practical still and put this on the ground. What does this mean for our lives right now? So turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. I didn't read this verse last week. It's the last verse in 1 Corinthians 15. So we've gone through the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the body, you know, and then where, oh, death is your victory, where death is your sting, and Uh, Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we stopped last week. Now this week, we want to read the last verse. Check it out. Therefore, okay, in light of all of that that's gone on before in the chapter, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Check it out. Because you know that your labor is, is not in vain okay so here's here's where we're going today at the end of talking about all this stuff about the resurrection at the end of all of that what does he say it's interesting he says so work so do stuff so so do things and know that what you do matters the way you are living your life it matters it's like you're building for what's coming you are investing into what is coming. You're living life now in a way that builds for new creation. And, that, and that, that's just that's a blow away. Like, no, it's not just live whatever we want to do, live however we want to live. Like, we're, just, we're going to heaven one day because we believe in Jesus. No, what you do matters. That's what we're emphasizing. It gives us a new future. That's the new future that we're talking about. We want to live like signpost people pointing the way into the future that's coming. We're like time transport people that that we live by faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and express his lordship and his reign and his love and life and all of the things that are coming. We want to live to express those things now. I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little more fired up then you guys know today, I mean, it's, we had three services and now we went to two. I had like two hours of quiet time with Jesus, man, I was worshiping, I went on this long walk and just I was singing that, that uh, So Will I song, I, I, uh, I wrote down the lyrics in my notes here, God of salvation, you chased down my heart, I had a cap, I pulled my cap down really low because tears were running down my face, I was worshiping, walking through my neighborhood just and in, in, in trying to... You know, just, I mean, it was like perfect, 60 degrees, sunshine breaking through the trees, no wind, walking, praising God, that whatever that girl's name is from Hillsong singing this, God of salvation, (laughs) chase down my heart through all of my failure and pride. Oh man, on a hill you created, the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die, and as you speak... A hundred billion failures disappear, where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. Ah, I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Come on. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would, again, a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? How can you measure God's desirous love for us? You can't measure it. You're the one who never leaves the one behind. Should I just stop? I mean, I was like, wow. So that was quiet time. Time with Jesus this morning, just crying, walking around the streets of Oakmont, over there by where, where I live. Here's what I'm trying to say today. I don't have points. It was a full week. I've got some stuff in my heart that I want to share, but, um, but I do have a, a main thing. We got that, so this is, we're going this way, <laughs> and we'll see what all comes out, right? God is calling us to live creative lives that point to the resurrection life that we share with Jesus Christ. That's what this is about today. You know, when they preached in Acts, this is interesting. One of the things that, that strikes me as I read, and, and, and we, we were touching on this last, last week yes, we're going to heaven when we die, but here's what, what, what I, but, but heaven's coming here, and we're going to be raised from the dead. Yeah. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but heaven's coming here. He's, he's, come, he's, he's, he's coming. And, the, and that separation that we sense is not going to be there anymore. If you read the messages of the book of Acts, the, when they preach the gospel, they don't finish with, and now pray this prayer so that you can know you're going to heaven when you die. Instead, they, in, they say what Jesus said. They say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Repent. Believe. This is the way things really are. And so you have to kind of ask yourself, even as you read the gospels, like, have you ever read the gospels and gone, wow. Like, Jesus is preaching something different than what we preach a lot of times. Like, what kind of story is being told where when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, comes on the scene and stands up and says, Repent, believe the kingdom of God is at hand. What kind of story is being told where that makes sense as the gospel? And yet, that's what's happening. So it's the story where God comes to a man named Abram. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And through your seed, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. And he comes and he makes promises to Israel, this people. And he comes and makes promises to a king named David. And he says, through your seed, a son from your own family, he's going to be on your throne, the throne of David. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's going to keep going. On and on, expanding and expanding, forever. Wow, I love it. So, so it's that end of that story. Then this promise of a coming king and a coming kingdom. Jesus comes on the scene and says, "Repent, believe the gospel. Repent and believe. The kingdom is at hand." And so the disciples come along, and the, the, their messages in the book of Acts, and they say, "You killed the Messiah." But God raised Him from the dead. He is the world's true King and Lord. Believe in Him. Repent and order your lives to Him. Isn't that fun? Isn't that the gospel? Jesus Christ is the true King and Lord of the world. We want to live our lives in line with Him. Wow. So what we're talking about there is the kingdom of God. And I've just made a commitment in my heart to just, I know we've got new people, and I'm going to keep coming back to these themes at least you know, once a semester or something. I just need to. So flash, a, flash that picture up there, there. Isn't that a great big word? Common Jewish eschatological expectation. Okay, eschatology means the things in the end. Just a study of the things in the end. So the Jews... They believed in this age, you hear Jesus using this language, this age and the age to come. So this age is characterized by rebellion and injustice, oppression, warfare, lust, unrighteousness, all of that. And then the coming age would be marked off by the the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord. And they thought that would be like when the resurrection happens. And this coming age would be marked by obedience and justice and righteousness and plenty and peace, no wars. No wars. You know, that's the coming kingdom. What they did not expect was the coming age to actually come and push back into this age in the life and ministry, death and resurrection of the Lord. So so that's that's this, uh, when we're talking about the kingdom, this is really important that we understand that the coming age in the ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus has pushed back into this age. We're like in this in-between time right now where we live in this age, but we are also experiencing the age to come. Eternal life, now. The kingdom of God, now. But it's also not yet. And so we pray. We see people healed. We'll pray sometimes and we don't see people healed. It's now, but it's also not yet. This is this is the message about the kingdom of God, the reign of God. And everybody needs to understand this. We need to understand that that. This coming age, all this stuff that's, that's that pushed back into our age with the coming of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead is we want to express and tell about and live out as much of that coming age as we possibly can in our lives right now. TCU, jobs, stay-at-home moms, whatever it is, creative, wonderful, signpost lives that point to the way things are going to be. What kinds of things will be in that future? Love, peace, joy, righteousness. I, years ago, the first time I went and spent a week with my, the guy who became my spiritual dad in the Lord, his name's Don Finto. And, uh, and there was a song out, I don't even know what the song is called, but uh, by this guy named Ron Cannoli. It's the early 90s, and uh, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? And so we'd drive around Nashville, and uh, Don would be singing that song, and he'd want me to sing with him. He'd smile. Come on, Jamie, sing it. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. And I had to sing out loud in the car with Don. And uh, it's kind of like living at my house. Uh, Those of you who are newer, you may not have heard, but my dad is a worship leader still. He's about to turn 79 and he's always singing to me. He sang in our house all the time. We'd have to sing uh, like at meals. It was like a m- musical living at our, oh, yes, oh. we're singing, we're eating. He's, and dad still, you know, sings, sings songs to me. About half the time he sings a new song he's heard to me on the phone, wants to know if I've heard it, some Hillsong tune or something. Yeah, we yeah, we'd love that one. That's great. And uh, sings it. Where's uh, where's I going? Um, so what kind of things are going to be in that future? Well, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Not arguing about our different religious preferences, cranking each other down and dividing, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. How about painting or forgiveness, reconciliation, like painting in ways that, that express the way things ought to be. Preaching. Man, I'm praying for that all the time. Lord, let your kingdom come. When I stand up here and preach, or whoever's preaching, uh, singing. We want to sing in ways that express the kingdom. Or sewing. <laughs> kind of random. We have a sewing ministry. I don't know if you guys know. There's a sewing ministry. And they spread love all around the church when people go to hospitals or have babies, and they're spreading the love of God through sewing. Who would have thought? I mean, I remember when Ruth or whoever it was Lynette—they starting that thing. I'd like, okay. I wouldn't have thought of that. Praise God, right? <laughs> That'd be might be kind of weird. <laughs> it's random. Praying, hospitals, healthcare, sharing, digging wells, campaigning for justice writing poems, how about that, poems that express the way things ought to be, songs, prose, stories of redemption, caring for the needy, loving neighbors, shall I even say it? loving our enemies? I mean, if Christians, let's just start with us, but I mean, let's say worldwide, we'll cast the big, big vision, if Christians worldwide would do this stuff, no more wars, or at least a whole lot less killing. Just if we, and, and, and you hear that and you go, well, it just seems so impossible, you know, and that's why, well, that's what's so dangerous about we're just out of here and we're going to heaven one day. We don't have to work through and wrestle through the hard stuff, the stuff that requires the God of the impossible to move in our midst and through us. And he wants to. He, he wants to do all of that stuff. This is what the scholars, um, what I'm talking about is inaugurated eschatology, so big long word there. Inaugura- can, we, can we say that together? Inaugurated eschatology. And so what I, what I mean by that is what's coming gets started in us. So an example of this would be one that we'd all agree on would be holiness. Nobody's going, ah, we don't need to live holy lives. But well, we do. And we want to inaugurate what's coming. There's going to be a day when that will be reality for all of us all the time. We'll be like him as he is. And so that's coming. So we want to live, we want to inaugurate holiness right now. But that's not all. We want to inaugurate everything that's going to be in that, in that time. We want to inaugurate those things right now and uh, live that way. Inaugurate, inaugurated creativity, inaugurated love, inaugurated beauty, inaugurated justice. There is, because of this worldview stuff I've been hitting on, um, platonic dualism, there's like some, I suppose the church has struggled with it down through the years, different centuries, been different things, but there's this false dichotomy between, this is the way it has gotten worked out in the last 150 years because of uh, the the struggle between fundamentalism and liberalism in the church. And, And that tension is, you know, we're saved by grace. Fundamentalists trying to emphasize, God did it in Jesus Christ, we're saved. And the liberal's going, Man, we need to do stuff. We need to help people. We need to show practical expressions. It's not just we're out of here going to heaven. And so what I want to say is that dichotomy, it's not it doesn't exist for us. Man, just that's somebody else's argument. Don't just we're not doing that. We're it's both. We need to know we're radically saved by Jesus and we can't do it. Period. And we want to respond. We want to Express what grace looks like, what 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 the power of love looks like, what the power of beauty looks like, what all of the creativity that God's wanting to release in us as engineers or as artists or as nurses or as authors or just all the different kind of stuff that are, is in this room right now, nurses and doctors and all of that kind of stuff. We want to live and, and just not buy into that that, di- that false dichotomy that's fueled by that Platonic dualism stuff, right? So here I am, back to 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, keep going. Don't let stuff move you. Keep going because you know that your labor is not in vain. So turn back to Romans. Here's another place where I just mentioned this in passing. I didn't actually read from Romans last week, I don't think. Um, But in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, Paul says, and if this, part of what I want us to see here is once you start reading, instead of a we're out of here kind of mentality, if, you, if we're just out of here and spiritual is all that matters and the material world doesn't matter, then we kind of reread passages that say clearly that he's going to give life to our mortal bodies. He's going to raise us from the dead. We kind of reinterpret that to, yeah, we're just, you know, ethereal, disembodied spirits, dry ice, kind of moving around in the heaven kind of thing and it doesn't it's not tangible for us and it doesn't have meaning where we can grab a hold of our lives matter right now. So this would be one of those passages where that where that happens. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So what he's saying there don't don't over-spiritualize. He's saying The same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead by his spirit is living in us. And he's going to give life to our mortal bodies, not just now, but he's going to give life to our mortal, to raise us from the dead. And he goes on, you you know that's what he's talking about because he goes on, he talks about the creation itself is groaning for this thing to happen where sons and daughters that have the life of God flowing in them and are raised from the dead. That's what creation is longing for, the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, the redemption of our bodies. I just love that. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's given us birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise the Lord. So... Um, I've been going back through an old book that it's it's more than a decade old now, but it's by a guy named N.T. Wright. He's kind of a mentor from a distance for me. And uh, the book's called Surprised by Hope. And he's touching on this, that our work matters. You guys, our work matters. What we do matters. And he says, every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired... By the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture or comfort and support for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's, one's fellow non-human creatures. What are we talking about there? I'm going to keep going with the quote, but I, just, I read that this morning and I was just like, wow, our little dog Maggie, she's going to be 15 in a couple months. Little mini schnauzer. She can't hear real good. Hey, hey, hey! She can't can't see real good. Just does a little path, just kind of walking, you know. But we love her. Like we love that little furry little little dog, man. We, we and so that our love is an expression of what's coming, even to our non-fellow uh, non-human creatures. And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. That is the logic of the mission of God. That's the logic. That's what, that what, what God wants us to see is that, that we are Helping Him. We are building for the kingdom of God in all that we do. God's recreation of His wonderful world, which began with the resurrection of Jesus and continues mysteriously as God's people live in the risen Christ and in the power of the Spirit, it means that what we do in Christ and by the Spirit in the present is not wasted. It will last all the way into God's new world. In fact, it will be enhanced there. Isn't that powerful? You know, it's like... What we do now, it matters. I'm I'm thinking of uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay, so he's this composer. And at the top right of all of his his, uh, compositions of music, he would write, for the glory of God. Like, he's saying, Lord, give me music and let me express it the way you want me to do. I mean, that's... I I think we're going to like sing some Bach. You know, just... Sing praises to God with music that was written for that very purpose. You know, I, I joke. You guys know I'm a guitarist, and I joke about hearing '57 Strats, slightly overdriven amps, just you know. And I hope that happens. I think it, I think it should make its way into the new creation. But for sure, Bach. I mean, come on, to the glory of God. All of that. All of that music written to the glory of God. You know, so. Whatever it is, preaching, worship. Uh, you know, one of the things that we were talking about this morning, just a couple uh, weeks ago, we had a staff offsite and, and, uh, and uh, uh, just we went around and we said, hey, what, what, sort of, what stuff you love about our church, about Antioch? And one of the common threads that came up was friendly. And I just want to like release us. Like, let's, let's be that people, man. Let's express righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit, you know, and everybody gets frumpy sometimes, cranky, you know. It just you just can't stay there for a lifetime. A lifetime of frumpiness is not the calling of God. So um, let me try to illustrate this. Uh, Notre Dame Cathedral burned down just a couple weeks ago. Everybody see that stuff? I mean, it was really sad. And just the French president's already said he wants to rebuild it in five years. And I, that's a, like, they're going to have to look at old pictures and master architects and all that kind of stuff. And I got to do some, doing some research about it, and I thought, hey, this is a great picture of what God's doing through us. Like, they built that structure in, they started in 1163. 1163, everybody's got a good idea what was going on in 1163, Bunch of serfs and little hats with little things dangling down. Uh, the thing. That's what I'm. Feudal stuff and kings and I, I'm not a big historian of the 12th century, obviously. But they started that in 1163, and it took 182 years to build Notre Dame, start to finish. They completed it in 1345. Now think about under under the scope of the master architects who put that together. This is kind of like us with Jesus. All of the different stuff that was going on, a lot of those guys didn't live to, probably most of them did not live to see the finished product. But there are stonemasons, there's woodworkers, there's guys working on statues of martyrs and saints from the past, you know, and all of these different assignments, and they don't know the other people that have lived and died, and they're still, now they're working on stuff. You know, And it's such a temptation when you are called to do something by Jesus to look at other people that are doing other stuff in and around the building of this thing and go, hey, you need to be doing this statue like me. This is my calling, and you need to be doing my calling too. And they're like, no, actually, I'm called to do this stuff with wood over here. Anybody ever done that? I totally, especially early on when you're just like getting fired up, I thought everybody needed to be a church planter. I literally, if you could breathe and were organic matter, I thought, you, sh- you should be a church planter. Can I just say, that's not everybody's calling. It's hard. It's just like, you need to be called to do it, and it's not for everybody. And a lot of people that try to do it, don't make it. And by God's grace, you know, we're, we're in. So it's, it's, but you could do that with all kinds of callings and think Everybody needs to be doing your thing, but... We're underneath the master work of the head of the church, Jesus. And we've got all of these assignments. And we're, we're not even, who knows, we may not even get to see fully. And uh, we, we don't. We don't understand history, years, centuries of the church. And here we are in Fort Worth. We're doing our piece. And we're doing our individual pieces, families and believers within the church. But Jesus is doing something wonderful and beautiful. Every act of kindness and grace and love and all this stuff is going to somehow be used by him to help point people to the way things should be, to be a signpost into the future that we can't fully see, but we're living that way. And it's going to shape the way we do the mission. Um, a lot of you guys know we, we in, back in 2002, we were already a church in Grapevine, but we, uh, we sold our homes, a lot of us, and moved down here a couple hundred as, as missionaries to Fort Worth. And one of those families was sitting right there uh, on the fifth row, Uh, Randy and Anda Brown, uh, one of our medical doctors here in the the church. And uh, Randy and Anda spoke at the D School the other other night. it It was fun just hearing the story about lives that were shaped by the mission of God. So they moved down here to Fort Worth with us and lived six houses up on Mesa. We did life group together and all that kind of stuff. It was fun. But Randy had this. Randy and Aunt, eventually, Anda had this calling too. But it was, that's part of the story, is Randy had this calling, and then eventually, Anda gets involved in it to go into an under-resourced area of town called Como, and they moved in, moved their whole family, all the I don't know how many kids it was at the time. This on the five at the time ended up being seven, and uh, they lived there for a decade. You know, and they did all kinds of stuff. They were light and representatives of Jesus in his kingdom there. And everybody knew why they were there. They were there to serve them, they were there to love them. And D- Randy had this group called Dr. Brown's Mighty Men. Usually 10, 12 of these young guys. And, and I mean, there's a bunch of stories that are hard. The mission is hard sometimes. Doing this, it's like you got to trust the God of the impossible for these things that just seem like there's no way this can happen. And yet, you know, lives are impacted. And one of those guys, one of the, he showed a picture the other night, one of those young mighty men ends up going to Abilene Christian College, gets married, and he's back here in our church right now, Corey and his wife, Courtney, just after all this time, you know. But that's what the mission looks like in action. Um, I just heard just a couple of days ago about, uh, an outreach, there's a lot of people been doing outreach, the fountain apartments, fountain, uh, just the refugees that are over, my pointing in the right direction, over that way. And, uh, and uh, they, they were doing some outreach stuff and had like 10 people give their lives to the Lord at this last outreach. I mean, praise God, refugees from different parts of the world saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And just powerful by serving. Uh, unbound is, uh, Stephanie was here earlier it just is our anti-trafficking ministry that's you know connected with the church here and is connected with the movement. But I mean, that kind of work for justice is saying that stuff is wrong. Trafficking people is wrong. We need to have advocacy for it communicating about that stuff and helping people know young girls that are getting pulled into that stuff through apps and all kinds of crazy craziness and then helping uh, survivors that are getting out of that kind of lifestyle we've got people that help them do that and all of that is work for the kingdom that's building it's it's God's got Jesus got some people over here and they're working on stuff and they're building this part of this tapestry the part of this cathedral of his praise and making things right does that make sense? So put the spheres up. I'm just going gonna, gonna to roll through this, this last couple things real quick here. I just decided I'm going to put this up once in the spring and once in the fall. Y'all hold me accountable. But, you know, last fall we did, a, we did a, a, a commissioning. We had everybody that stand up, that's re- your work, your vocation is in these different areas. Neighborhood, stay-at-home moms, arts, politics, education, business, medical, social justice, all these different things. Stand up, be blessed, go do what you do for the glory of God. I mean, that's, so we gather as Jesus, with Jesus and as, as his people, but then we're sent, and we gather, and we're sent, and we gather, and we're sent. And that's why every single Sunday we've Speak a blessing, whoever's preaching, and say, let's go be kingdom people in our spheres. It's not just about this. It's not just we're out of here. It's we're here to live and make, make, uh, make a difference with our lives. And so that, I mean, it's like space matters. The, the spaces we live in, our homes, they matter. Those places where we, we pray, the prayer room, like that space has been touched by God. Like the space, it's like if you go in there, there's so much prayer going on and worship going on in there, you can actually pray easier. I, I don't know how that happened. I'm saying that we're redeeming space. Like even this auditorium, I, I love to come in here and pray. I can pray in here real easy when you guys aren't, uh, and when you're here too, but, but just by myself. And, and it's been the space, there's a redeeming of this. Now granted, it was a toy store before, so maybe you know, God was using it to make little children's hearts happy. Bo- Boland's Toy Store was, was the history of this, this place. And then other churches have been in here as well, just worship stuff happening. But space and time. Space and time, it's God wants to redeem all of, even the calendar that we use, it's measured by the, the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, people have tried to change it down through the years, but here we are in 2019, the year of our Lord. Isn't that powerful? I mean, it's Sundays. We meet on Sundays. Why do we meet on Sundays? Because Jesus was raised from the dead on a Sunday. Isn't that powerful? Every single time we come together, it's marking what has... It's time that's being redeemed because of Jesus. We're pointing toward that future. The baptisms. It leads us back around. I'm going to finish this series with what we started with baptisms baptism is like a it's like a place where heaven and earth they're kind of overlapping a bit right you know the death to the old and life in the new it's just a a really good picture and even the lord's supper the communion that we just did yes we proclaimed the death of jesus but we're also looking forward to the resurrection of our own bodies, the new creation. That's what Kim and I were praying this morning. Lord, open it up to us as we proclaim you and what you've done for us. Open up what you've got for us in the future. Powerful. Prayer is obviously one of those those thin places every time we pray. And I'm just, I'll I'll finish with this. Every vocation matters, from students to stay-at-home moms to every you know, working with just all, kind of, I'm looking around, there's all kinds of professions and vocations in this room that matter. Now, there's some things that, it, I'm not talking about if it's legal. Like if you're running drugs or arms, you need to stop that. You know, cross, <laughs> cross the line, just get out of that. But a lot of our work it matters a whole lot more than what we think it does. And we want to connect everything that we do to the fact that Jesus Christ is the King and the Lord of the world, and Caesar's not. I mean, that's ultimately the the, the thing, is that Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the King. The new future, I'll read this sentence and stop. The new future is what happens when God's people live creative lives that point to heaven that is coming to earth and point to the good reign of the Lord Jesus Christ the good reign of the Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Amen? Y'all stand up. Lord, do it in us. Lord, do it through us. Lord, would you just stir us up with creativity to live lives that point to the way things will be. Lord, in our worship, in our whatever it is we do, Lord, the way we interact with people, if we're in service uh, vocations, Whatever, that, whatever those interactions are, Lord, if we're a financial consultant, Lord, that we would... It'd be about helping people steward resources for the kingdom and for just in ways that are right and righteous and have the wisdom of heaven on them that allow us to give and to be generous and live below our means so that we can be generous and joyful in our giving. Lord, just release all of that. Release that vision to us today. Now thing is you guys this may be some of this may be a new thought for you and let's pray into it if it's if it's a new thing then hey I want to pray I want to pray into the creativity that God wants to have and express in my life and if it's not a new thought if you've been around a while we talk about this a lot but how's that getting worked out how's the Lordship of Jesus getting worked out in creative ways as educators as doctors nurses and students yeah so lord would you just just meet us here today help us to pray those creative prayers in the name of jesus i'm going to say this because i want us we we need to wrap up we're going to do a little ministry here but hey this is for every this for every single every person it's for me it's for kim it's for all of us and so find somebody to pray with come and get prayer up here but let's let's pray into this. And if you need help, some kind of prayer need that's going on, that's not about what I'm talking about. Please don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. God moves when we pray in power in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? So let's go for it. Be bold. Just come get prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, meet us today. Let your kingdom come. Help us to see, to wake up. Help us to wake up, Lord, to the way things really are, to the truth that you want us walking in. In Jesus' name. You are the Lord. Meet us, Lord. We call upon your name, Jesus, the Savior. Meet us.